Good morning. Whew. Good morning. I feel like I, is this better now? I feel like it's, if I hold it further away. Oh, that's better. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Vineyard Florence. We're so excited to have you here today. I'm Lynn Androvic, and I get to be part of the content team and Autumn's prayer team. I'm so excited about that. Well, I wanted to let you know that here as a church, we exist to love God, make disciples, and impact the world. And there are some ways that you can join us along with that. And I'm going to be talking about some opportunities for you to connect. The first thing I wanted to tell you about is an opportunity with one of our sister vineyard churches, Vineyard Northwest. They are going to have a conference called a Moral Revolution. It's a big deal. It is going to be next Saturday, January 22nd. And it is going to be tackling tough topics of purity, sex, sexuality, and how to approach these topics with a Jesus-centered approach. Now, if you're someone that is a parent, that leads or influences anyone from ages 0 to 18, this conference is for you. It's going to be on a Saturday, and you can go to the vineyardchristian.org website. That's our website. And go on to events to learn more about it or to register. So it is going to equip you to lead a generation through a hyper-sexualized culture. So keep that in mind. If you're anyone that influences anyone 0 to 18, this is for you. All right. This is super cool. This is something that we've done in the past, but we've kind of remarketing it and we're bringing it back. It is called Connect 30. Do you want to know what Connect 30 is? Well, it's for people that are new here at Vineyard Florence that want to meet the staff, know about ways to connect, learn about house churches, and have any questions they have answered. And it is going to be next Sunday after worship in the lobby. You can't miss it. It's going to be in the lobby. If you're ready to connect and learn more, just join us after church next Sunday. All right. Yesterday, there was a house group 201 training session. And what is that? That is on our journey to launch, to launch house groups. It's going to be super cool. It's going to be a huge emphasis for the growth here at Vineyard Florence. Well, if you want to know more about that, I've got good news. We are going to have a house group connection night, and it is going to be Wednesday, February 2nd at 6.30. We're going to... Um, be around here to let you know what house churches are, what ones are available, where they are, when they are, and who is leading them. So if you're interested, want to join a house church, or just want to learn more, please come. And we're going to have lots of information. And it is going to be something that is going to just explode our church with opportunities to reach out to others, to connect at a deeper level, and to... Make more room for us to worship God. I wanted to let you know that the student services tonight have been canceled. I don't even really um, know why. But I will tell you, if you come, no one will be here. So don't. All right. Yeah, it would be a letdown. All right. Now what we're going to do is we are going to Take a little time and give back to God for all the blessings that he gives us. You're part of, um, if you call Vineyard Florence your home, and you would like to um, 
we, this is a way the people here that call Vineyard Florence our home give back to God. If you're new here, this may or may not be for you, but what this is is an opportunity for us to give our tithes back to the Lord for all the blessings that he gives us. There are a few ways you can do that. One is up on the screen, text pound 84321, super simple. Also, you can go to the costly generosity boxes in the back of the room, or you could go to the website and click on give. I forgot something. I bet Lucas is thinking she forgot. All right, it's one of the most important things that we have here today. If you're new here, we would like you to reach in the seat, back, seat back pocket in front of you and pull out a blue, a blue Connect card. What that is, is a way for you to fill out, take it to Guest Central, and bring it to someone to have a small token of appreciation for worshiping with us here today, and answer any questions you might have, and just have somebody say hello to you. If you're worshiping online, this is still for you, but there's a virtual Connect card on the new Here tab. There's a Connect card, and you can connect there, and someone from the staff will reach out 
Jesus was saying and taking me to um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And just this time of partaking in communion, it really is, it's for the believers who were coming back in our weakness. Like, we, we wouldn't need this or Jesus if we weren't weak. <laughs> like, and I'm 
just felt him saying like, give it all to me. Everything that you're dealing with, struggling with, all the anxiety, depression, um, feeling inadequate, um, addictions, whatever it is. He's saying like, this time that we do in remembrance of him, it's, it, it's the reason why he came. He came to take and get rid of all of those things. He wants to uh, abolish slavery in us forever. And um, yeah, just when you come to this, it's a serious thing. Like we need to set our hearts right. It's also a time where we get to be cleansed again. Like we need his forgiveness and cleansing. So just don't take this lightly and um, we have tables at the front and the back and um, you can go ahead and just start making your way we're going to go back into a time of worship after this but just take it with your family and or friends and um, just surrender it all to him
deserve the praise worthy is your name worthy is your name Jesus you deserve the praise worthy is your can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God.
Jesus, there's nothing impossible with you. When all I see are the ashes and you see the beauty, thank you, God. Oh, when all I see is the cross, God, you see the empty tomb. Fear, Lord. 
We just thank you that we can go into battle knowing that you've already won. Yes. That you have our victory, Lord. Just pray that we are victorious over this week. That every single day we're able to lay ourselves down and let you be above, Lord. And let you shine through. Just thank you so much for this day. I pray over Ryan's message that we're able to soak in everything that, Lord, your Holy Spirit just um, speaks through him and speaks to our hearts, Lord. And we just thank you so much that we get to come and worship you freely. Thank you so much for your freedom. In your name, amen. So, yeah. Let's just... All right, everyone, good morning. Good morning. Who day? Who day? Who day think gonna beat them Bengals? Not them Raiders! So we got, we got a little. I'm going to invite my son Elijah up. He's going to show us a little something fun today. For a little who day spirit, he's going to walk us through. So I need everyone to stand up and tell us what to do. All right, so I'm going to walk you all through, like, how to do the gritty. Which is? Jamar, as you all know, Jamar Chase's famous touchdown dance yeah. and Justin Jefferson. So, so this is what he wanted me to do. Yeah. So you're going to start. You're just going to go. You're going to go heel to heel. You're going to hop. You're going to go heel to heel. Heel to heel. Heel to heel. Do it. Heel to heel. <laughs> so when you get your little rhythm, then you're going to add a little wiggle to it. Your own little wiggle, whatever you want. You can put, put up the threes. You can... Windshield wipers, man. You can do whatever. So let's see it. So it's going to be like. <laughs> so everyone, let's try it. So everyone, try it. All right, let's see it. All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> 
Thank you. Yeah. We saw it be fun, man, like last night. Who watched that game? <clears throat> Dude, I was like, <laughs> like in tears almost. <laughs> I was thinking, I was in junior high last time the Bengals won that thing. So, so they might as well win the Super Bowl to me. So, well, it is a who day for sure. And uh, love that last song. It's kind of like, who day, who day, who do you think is going to beat Jesus? Like, you know, it's like, it's kind of sweet. So I'm just thankful to be here today. My name's Ryan. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And I'm just glad you're all joining us uh, here in person and online. And it's just a good Sunday. It's a good Sunday for a bunch of reasons. So it's a day God made, right? So not only like the day that the Bengals made better by winning yesterday, but it's the day Jesus made. So we're thankful for that. So um, I just thank you, Jesus. We just invite you to this place today. We ask you to come, Holy Spirit, just to meet us and to show us, show us your heart, show us your word. And thank you, Lord, that um, we can have fun in church. You're a fun God. You made fun. You made dancing. Uh, Lord, you made laughter. Uh, you made joy. You said in your presence is the fullness of joy. And so we just thank you we can have fun, that you're a God who's not up there with a scowl just waiting to blow us up or to um, shame us, that you're a God who delights in your children. So we thank you for that, and we just pray that uh, this word today, Lord, um, would just be a delight unto you and a blessing to your people. And I pray I'd stay out of the way. In Jesus' name, Lord, amen. amen. Well, hey, we're in week two of our Things Can Change series. And last week, we talked about... if if the book of Mark could be summed up in three words. And for those of you that don't know, we're starting a series in the book of Mark that's gonna be 16 weeks long, and it's gonna take us up until Easter. So if you included last week when we started and Good Friday, that'll be, and then uh, the Sunday of Easter, Resurrection Sunday, that'll be 16 weeks. And that sounds really long, because it is. And to my knowledge, uh, some of the people in my content team inform me that I don't think we've ever done a series this long in the history of this church. So... If it's, if, it's, if it's just tanks, you can, you can just blame me for it. And, um, but no, I think it's going to be great. And as we're thinking of going through a whole book of the Bible, that can be kind of arduous. That's long. That can be daunting. <clears throat> and we talked about, well, what's the point of the book of Mark? Well, we've been talking a lot the last, last nine months about discipleship, about that we want a discipleship to happen in our church where we are disciples that make disciples that make disciples and make disciples. And the, the, really the key thing about being a disciple is, it's very simple, but it's very foreign, foreign to a lot of people, is the key thing about being a disciple is being able to hear God's voice for yourself. And the book of Mark starts off with Jesus says, behold, the time has come, repent and believe the kingdom of God is at hand. And that word repent there also means hear. It means change. It means shift. It means turn. Believe means to think differently, act differently, live differently. So Jesus wants us to hear his message, and then it transforms our entire lives. And as I was getting together with my good friend Tom Thatcher, he said, "Why don't?" He said, "The whole book of Mark is about Kairos moments. The whole book of Mark is about how Jesus meets people where they are, and he." demands a response, an immediate one. He demands that people change and that something happens that's, that's different and that Jesus wants us to respond to him. And so it's about changing our lives because the king is here. 
There's also two other themes that are very uh, prevalent in Mark. One, they, they talk a lot about, this, about Jesus the, the Savior, like the Son of Man, but they also speak of his, of his coming kingdom. So Jesus isn't just a Savior. He's not just someone we say a prayer one time and we're done and he saves us fire insurance, but he's also this Lord who, um, who uh, requires that we follow him with everything we have. So <clears throat> last week, part of the homework was, and we're gonna give homework each week of this series, is I said, if you could, read Mark's, uh, Mark chapters one and two. And as you read that, or maybe you were in one of your house groups, or maybe you're just doing your own quiet time this week, or just like in life, what did you hear God saying to you? Maybe in prayer, in the service, did you experience God talking to you? Because that's what this series is going to be all about, is about learning how to hear God better and how to respond. That's, that's what this whole game is. That's what we're about. That's what we're going to do unapologetically. That's what Jesus called us to do. That is the great commission, is to make disciples. And disciples hear his voice. He said, my sheep hear my voice and they obey me. They obey what I'm saying, that they understand, that they follow me, that they come unto me. And there's all this invitational language in the Bible where Jesus invites us to come. He says, come, sheep, come, follow me. I want to lead you to green pastures. I want to lead you away from terror and from harm. <clears throat> but the challenge is also that we have to come. So the invitation is to come and the challenge is to stay. The challenge is to do what he says. And not because he's some tyrant or because he needs our allegiance, but because when we say yes to what Jesus has, our lives function at maximum capacity. That's the point. Do you know that? When you and I, when we obey Jesus, our lives function better. It's like I could use my car, my Toyota Avalon as a tow truck or a battering ram, but it's not gonna work very well as either one for very long because it wasn't made for that. It's made to get out on the, on the road and just cruise. And the same with our lives. We can use our lives for ourselves or to be doormats for others or for addictions or whatever or for just like the accumulation of stuff. And we can do that and it might work for a while, but at the end, our lives aren't gonna function the best until <clears throat> we coalesce our wills with the will of Jesus. And so Jesus expected a response then, and he does now. And I think Jesus um, realizes that our stories need heroes, that our stories need help, that we can't fight all these battles on our own. And there's a lot of people who will try. There's a lot of people that might even pull it off for a while, but everyone has a dark night of the soul because we all have this... Um, we all have little stuff, big stuff, in-between stuff that can really, really get us. And a lot of times it's stuff that we don't even do. A lot of stuff, it's stuff we don't ask for. It's stuff that comes from the outside. It's a loss of a family member. It's a disaster, like, around us. It's a sickness. It's an accident. Like, there's a lot of things that happen to us, even, even as kids. There's a lot of people, a lot of people sitting in here, statistically, probably half of you were messed with by someone before you were of the age of 13. Statistically, about half, a little more than a half of all girls and about a third of all boys are touched inappropriately by someone else before they're 13 years old. So say 40%, give or take. So you take this room, probably a couple hundred people in, in here, probably 80 people or at least dealing with something they didn't ask for. 
Or maybe you had a parent that really had a problem. You had a bad upbringing. There's a lot of things we didn't ask for. Now, I'm not letting us off the hook because we all do enough stuff that's really, you know, stuff we probably wish we didn't do or wish other people didn't know we did. But there's a lot of things that happened to us that we didn't ask for. And there's a lot of obstacles um, to our change and our growth and our healing. And I think some of us, maybe some of you sitting here today, are concerned that perhaps you've missed your time. Maybe your window is over. Maybe you're never going to get it. Maybe you're just, this life is all there is. You're just ready to check out because you can't imagine it's going to get any better. But I want to tell you, as we sum up talking again, things can change. In Kairos moments, those moments where God's talking to us, in the real big stuff, in the real little stuff, in the in-between stuff, things can change. Say that with me. Things can change. Say this with me. I can change. I can change. Yeah. That great clip in Rocky, everybody can change. Like, you know, like when he beats Drago, it's like, we can change. We can change. And so today we're going to take a walk through one of the better known passages in the Bible, one that is really famous and potent story. Um, And then the second part is just basically a line that really kind of uh, encapsulates Jesus's ministry on earth. The first part appears in three of the four Gospels, and um, we're going we're gonna to start there. So if we can get, uh, go to Mark chapter 2, if you've got a Bible, turn with me. If it's on your phone, just click on, on the U version or the Bible Gateway app or whatever you got. And if we can put that on the screen. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, Capernaum several days later, news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed Uh, with visitors, that there was no more room even outside the door. So Jesus, apparently, Jesus moved around a lot in the book of Mark, and then we see it's no different that Jesus went somewhere else and came back to where he was living now in Capernaum. So he came back, and so this is the house where Jesus was either that Jesus owned or maybe his mother's, or he was staying there with a friend. We don't know that. Some people would say that this house was Jesus' house. I'll explain more about that here in a minute. And soon the house was so packed, there was no more room. And then while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof ahead. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Here, let's take a, let's take a look. Can we switch to a slide real quick of what a house back then looked like? in first century Capernaum. It wasn't like our houses now. It was probably a one or two room house um, with just an area where they would kind of dine and an area where a bunch of people would sleep. Everyone back then didn't have houses. So a lot of people lived in one place. So as we're talking about house groups and you say, oh, I don't have enough people in my house. I, I don't have enough room in my house for people to come. I don't have enough room for 30, 40, 50 people. Just know that house was probably three to 800 square feet and Jesus packed out the place. And he didn't even complain when the roof got a hole in it. He's like, great, great, now there's room for more. 
So if you're wondering if you can do it, like, like as we're talking about this stuff, things can change. Some of what needs to change in our perspective is how we see the gospel. And a lot of times we limit ourselves and God and we say, well, my house isn't big enough. My life isn't big enough. My life isn't whole enough. My marriage isn't strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not knowledgeable enough. I'm not whatever enough. And Jesus just said, dude, just give, just give me what you got and watch what I do. See, because it's really not faith if we, can only, if we only let God do with what we can do. If we only trust God, because remember like that parable when Jesus like said, hey, there was, this, there was these uh, religious people. What, I'm sorry, it wasn't even a parable. Like they were in the temple and his disciples and him were watching and these rich and the Pharisees, the wealthy, the lawyers and all these people, they were given a lot. And Jesus said that there was, a little, there was this widow who gave one mite, who just dropped his little insignificant coin in the bucket. And Jesus says, bros, she gave more than all of them. They gave out of their excess. She gave all she had. So a lot of times what, we, what we're just willing to give God is our excess or to our comfort. And if things are gonna change, one of the things God wants to change in us is our perspective of how he can use what we have for his kingdom and for his glory. And so the word um, for crowd there is prosegesio. Can you say prosegesio? Prosegesio, there we go. Which, um, it says that the crowd, which this word means um, that they were unable to get to him because of the crowd. And this means like an unapproachable because of the mob, in a sense, is what that word can, can mean. And it means that literally when they came because of the crowd, they were forced to other means to dig in there. So they dug through the roof. So these roofs on there weren't like our roofs. They were, they were more of a flat roof. They had a deck up top. Because in the day, man, that thing would just turn into like a, just an oven. So they'd go up on their roofs in the day and they'd hang out. But these roofs were kind of made, with, they were almost thatched. Like they would have like palm leaves and other kind of leaves, layer of mud that would dry. Then another layer, another layer, another layer until it was dry. So you could literally dig through these roofs a little different than... I mean, can you imagine if you're doing a house group at your place and like someone just like tore a hole in the roof and lowered a guy down? And I love Jesus' response. Jesus didn't get ticked. I'd be mad that there's a mess. I'd be mad that there's a hole. I'd be mad I gotta call my insurance agent. I'd be worried that State Farm's gonna drop me, that, that maybe it's really not the Patrick price, right? And so I was, you know, and, and so these, these large, these, these homes like I said, at largest could fit about 50 people. And uh, that's if everyone's standing really close together. And Jesus didn't blink when they tore a hole in the roof. If we can go back to the scripture and keep reading. And seeing their faith, their faith, the faith of the friends, <clears throat> Jesus said to the guy, my child, your sins are forgiven. Is that an interesting response? Your sins are forgiven. To me, that's a really, um, as, I, as I, I processed and prayed and practiced and mulled over this this week, that was this, the uh, thing that caught me the most. Like, we're talking about kairos. Can you imagine the kairos this guy hears that the magic man, that the healer, that the talisman, Jesus, is in town. And I don't know if it was his idea or his boys. He's like, 
dude, we're going through the roof. Can you imagine? They probably stood there. I don't know if they, uh, that was their plan all along. Like, hey, let's do a grand entrance. Let's do the, you know, like, let, let's do the gritty. You know, let's, I, 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 I don't think it was that. I think they got there and they're like, crud. Dude, the place is packed. Plan B. But for Jesus to say, your sins are forgiven. So am I forgiving you for ripping my house up? Am I forgiving you for coming late to the dance? I don't think it was any of that. In their culture, there was a systemic belief that people that were riddled with things because of their sin or the sins of others. There was a systemic uh, belief that it was really like like a delete sort of system, uh, like in the Hindu high caste society. Some of it was born, like I believe was born out of this culture like a little bit was the fact of like, if you were of low position, if you were poor, if you were an invalid, if you had some malady or impediment, it was because you screwed up or your family did. And you just got what you got because you earned it. So for this guy to say your sins are forgiven is a big deal because I bet this dude on the stretcher, his whole life, whether if he was born like this or this has been a five-year, 10-year 50 year, if it was from an illness, an accident, I bet the guy, as he laid by the pool, was probably like, why am I like this? Why is anyone else, why is everyone else running around? <clears throat> you ever had those thoughts in your life? Anyone in here, you don't have to, re- to raise your hand, maybe you have a physical malady, something you were born with, or something like you've, uh, you've acquired, and you've ever had any of those woe is me moments, or those wondering, like, what did I do to deserve this? Like this pep chop boys, like, what have I? What have I? What have I done to deserve this? Like, you know, like that part, like you just, and then Dusty Springfield breaks in. And then, but have you had that moment in your life where you've wondered that? Why did this happen to me? Why us? Why do they get it and why don't I? I think Jesus was speaking to the bigger issue of this guy, I think Jesus is, was, Jesus knew what he was gonna do with this dude. He knew, it was, it was already over. He said, oh, I see your faith. I see your faith. And he, he saw their faith and he said, your sins are forgiven. I think Jesus was also speaking to his opponents. He was speaking to a bad ideology in his culture that was so prominent that everyone was left with this. Anytime something bad happened, if they got the flu or they got COVID or the black plague, whatever they got, it's like, oh, because we're terrible because we suck or we must have screwed up somewhere. And they lived under this heavy burden of the law that they had to be perfect or else. And this guy, he couldn't keep any of the law. He couldn't keep any law. He couldn't do anything for himself. He was paralyzed. But some of the, and, and I love what comes next, but some of the teachers of the religious law were sitting there and thought to themselves, what is, this, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And I love that Jesus goes deeper with them. Just like he saw the faith of these dudes who went deeper to get them through the roof. Do you know sometimes we gotta go deeper for things to change? Sometimes we gotta hit another gear. Sometimes, like the difference between good and great is a lot of times people who aren't willing to settle. 
Like people that keep their foot on the pedal and keep going for it. And I'm not saying that we're all like, I'm not gonna be like that cheesy, oh, you're all meant to be, have greatness in life and like ride a bunch of unicorns. I'm not saying that because sometimes our lives aren't great. But there's a great thing God wants to do in all of our lives that just requires great faith in him. I'm not saying it's gonna be perfect. Maybe you'll ride a unicorn. That'd be awesome, let me know. I just hope you don't fall forward because that would be not, not so great. But... Um, but sometimes we have to go deeper or through things to get where the Lord's calling us for things to change. And Jesus was calling this guy, uh, commending his friends, and he was telling the crowd, especially the Pharisees, what you've been telling everyone is wrong. What you've been living is not the truth. What you've been uh, proliferating or promulgating, it's not who I am or what I am. Because remember, he wasn't just a savior, he's a king. So he came to save his people, but he's also coming to redefine like, the rules because this is his edict. This is his book. And he was redefining, he said, these are my people, these are my sheep, and y'all led them astray. And then I love what Jesus um, says is, <clears throat> is he um, looks at these guys and then he says, I, it says uh, next, Jesus immediately knew what they were thinking. <clears throat> Jesus knew what they were thinking, their sneers or maybe their deadpan, whatever. Jesus looked through them and knew what they were thinking. Do you know, do you know Jesus knows what you're thinking? Do you know your, your most wonderful dreams, your most rotten thoughts? Do you know Jesus knows what you're thinking? When you have those thoughts of someone else you see or the judgment or the racism or the anger or the self-hate or the pity or the uh, joy or the envy or the love or the absolute mirth, like Jesus sees all of it. Jesus knows what you and I are thinking. He's not caught off guard by any of it. See, these guys were so about all looking good and looking the part, and they had their best robes, and they had to put on their best face. And Jesus is like, I'm not that kind of God. I don't need the pomp, pomp and circumstance. I know what you guys are like, but I love you anyways. Jesus knew what they were thinking. But see, here's the thing. Jesus knows where we are and loves us, but he also loves us too much to leave us where we are. He loves us too much to leave us in the places where we are, in the deep recesses of our heart with the pornography, the adultery, the lust, the hate, the bitterness, the self-promotion, the arrogance, the, maybe the, the terrible self-esteem. Whatever it is, Jesus loves us too much to leave us where we are, but he's not caught off guard by any of it. <clears throat> and he asks them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man? Your sins are forgiven or stand up and pick up your mat and walk. So I will prove to you that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. See, Jesus didn't lead in first with the saving the guy from his despair and his life of being paralyzed. Jesus led in with like, I'm the king and I have the power to pardon. I have the power 
to offer a reprieve. I have the power to do what I want on the Sabbath. I have the power to do what I want. Because even this guy, people might have known, I'm sure, like these were small villages. People, like this guy might have had a terrible reputation. Maybe he was a drunk. Maybe he's a total drunk and got on his donkey and was acting like one and fell off and got paralyzed. We don't know. They all knew it. Jesus didn't care, but Jesus is saying, whatever y'all believe, maybe this guy deserved it, maybe he didn't, but, or maybe his family stunk, or maybe he's a murderer, whatever. He said, I have the power to forgive his sins. Friends, Jesus has the power to forgive your sins. He has the power to forgive my sins. And that matters to him more than any miracle of healing ever could. Do you know that? He could do all the miracles. He could be like Zeus with the lightning bolts or like Thor with the hammer. He can do all that. But the thing that sets Jesus apart from Superman is like Jesus has the power to forgive sins and Kal-El can just get kittens from trees and like kill Doomsday. Jesus could do that too, and he does at the end. But he, has, he, he cares about the condition of our souls. So this guy he was gonna raise up, he cared about his soul more than his body. And then he said, so I will prove to you the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And he's like, <clears throat> I think Jesus was at this point, anyone ever heard that funny video meme where the little kid is like, I ain't playing with you, Peggy. I ain't playing around no more. It's like, I think Jesus was looking at the Pharisees like, I ain't playing with you, Peggy. I ain't playing around with your idiotic thoughts and theology anymore. I'm not messing around. I'm not messing around, even to the paralyzed guy. I'm not playing around with your bad thoughts. I'm not playing around with your poor self-esteem. I'm not playing around anymore. He's like, I forgive your sins, but now I'm about to drop the mic. Get up. I could even blow my hair back, you know? Like, I remember um, in 2019, uh, I was on this mission trip in Turkey, and um, one of my friends who I met on the trip, Andre, Andre's a South African fellow, and he was telling me, he's like, Pastor, when we are here, I had this dream on the plane. And he's telling me about, like, and Andre was so hard to understand. He was so excited, loves Jesus so much. But he said he had a vision of a woman who was paralyzed, and we were supposed to pray for her, but we were supposed to tell her first about the love of Jesus and then tell her to get up. And he has, I have this vision. And I'm like, okay. And so we're walking in to eat at this restaurant, this place, Turkish food's like the best. If you ever wanna take me out, because you love me, Turkish food. Um, <laughs> so we went and we came out, and he's like, hey, we're, like this, there was a lady who was propped up who was just laying there. And he told me, he said, we're supposed to pray for her. I'm like, great, let's do it. So we go up and we're trying to talk to her and she's like this gypsy lady, but um, she can't really move anything. Like she's just kind of propped up on this like, I don't, maybe like a street signpost. And she just sat there all day and begged. But she couldn't understand us, we couldn't understand her. And like there's this dude about my son's age, I'm like, hey bro, can you like translate for us? Cause he's like a lot of young people in Turkey speak English, is like, can you translate for us? And he's this, you know, like young Muslim guy, cool, you know, cool threads with his dad. They're just walking like in this bazaar, which is like their market. I'm like, can you interpret? And we're just asking her her story. And she just said like, you know, I, I, I broke my back at work. 
I had an accident where something fell on me. She fell down from something and something fell on her and broke her back and she'd been paralyzed for, I think, seven or eight years. And she just, she said no one ever even stops. Like, literally, people would just walk by and just drop money at her, if anything. Like, she'd go there every day. People would prop her up to pray. And she said, like, you guys, you know, like, it just means so much that you stopped to talk to me. And it was at that moment, there was something inside me. It's like, and I'm having this kid interpret. I said, hey, tell her we didn't just stop to talk to her. He's like, okay. Then he's like, they didn't just stop to talk to her. I was like, I was like we came because Jesus is going to heal you right now. And there's a crowd of people around us. I'm thinking, oh, crap, I just dialed up the risk. So. <laughs> and we just prayed for her, and I said, I say to your back and to you, I say, get up and be straightened and healed in Jesus' name. And this lady pops up. And this kid, even before that, he deliberated. He's like, I don't want to tell him that. He's like, I, I don't feel comfortable saying that. And his, and, and, and his dad says, just do whatever they tell you. And she pops up. <coughs> and this lady got healed. This lady walks now, and she'd been paralyzed. I couldn't tell if it was from the waist down or the chest down, but she couldn't move. Like, people propped her up there. And she walks now. But the thing was, is Jesus wanted her to know people loved her. Like, I think she had just grown accustomed to being paralyzed, but just no one stopped for her every day. Like, Jesus stopped to this guy and talked to him, and he spoke to his need and said, bro, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Like, you don't gotta be a slave anymore. He said, I'm gonna prove it that the Son of Man has the power to forgive on earth. And it's like Jesus kind of said to this lady, like, I love you, we're stopping for you, and we were just telling her how much Jesus loved her, and it's like, I'm gonna show you the love of Jesus and get up. And I'm not saying that happens all the time. That's the only paralyzed person I've ever prayed for that got up. Okay, but it was, it was tight, I'm not gonna lie. Um, but the point is this, is like Jesus wants to meet people where they are. Do you know wherever you are, if you're sick from sin, if you're sick from um, depression, if you're sick from sickness, if, you're, if you have something maybe your parents have, if there's like, like a, a congenital thing or, or like a, you know, something that just came through your family line that, other people have this. Whatever it is, Jesus doesn't care if it was you or your parents or something else. He would look at you today and love you and say, listen, if you'll look at me and you'll let me speak into your life, things can change. I'll forgive you and I got this. Things can change. Because why? Because the king is here. And I love how Jesus, just like after this, like we see, go, can we go to the next slide? And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore. He's like, oh, okay, see ya. I'm tired. You know, it's like, I just love that, like, Jesus, like how, like, how he, like, I love in Mark how mobile he is, how fast moving he is, how there's all these different things where he's speaking and moving and interrupting, and that's just because that's like our lives, right? Our lives are busy. Our lives have a lot of different acts in our place. Like, even if, if you're here this morning, this isn't all you did. You got out of bed, or you laid in bed, maybe you looked at your phone, or you read the paper if you still do that, or, you know, whatever it is. You, you had some time, and hopefully you took a shower before you came here. If not, you know, uh, we do have social distance seating. And, um, but, 
But no, I mean, we, we all had a bunch of stuff in our day that got us here. And like the book of Mark is very real life because it's fast moving. It's event to event, moment to moment. But the thing is, I love how Mark gives this detailed thing of Jesus there in all the moments. Like Jesus wasn't caught off guard. They ripped his roof open. Like he commended them. And, and I wonder if later on Jesus says, when he said that the son of man, that the fo- foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. I wonder if that's because they destroyed his house. Seriously. I'm just kind of putting two, to, two and two together. But um, in the world we live in, a dystopic age of misinformation, of brokenness, of hatred, of polarization, um, faith is going to require us, looking at time differently is going to require us not to buy what the world's selling. See, this guy's world was selling him a bad message that you're screwed because of your sin or someone else's. The world will tell you that. Like, we have a name for everything now. And, and almost, and I'm not saying that's wrong, that science is advancing, but almost sometimes, like, I hear so many excuses. Well, I'm this. Well, I'm ADD. Well, I'm this and that. Like, so do you not believe that Jesus could work in that? or work in spite of that? Do you not believe maybe if you're physically disabled that Jesus could still use you? Do you still not believe maybe if you're slow that Jesus could use you? Do you not believe if you're poor or do you not believe because you had your hand cut off that Jesus could still do something? I mean, seriously, this, this is very real. And Jesus isn't up there putting on labels or anything. He's like, I don't care. Like he says in John chapter nine, he's like, it doesn't matter to me who sinned this man or his parents. This is so the glory of God could be revealed. And so in our weakness, he's strong. And maybe some of the maladies and the challenges we have are because those are the very things, the very fabric and the very threads that the glory of God wants to shine through in our lives to show people that things can change. That they change for us, they can also change for you. If it can change for me, it can change for you. That's the message. It's not like, oh, I'm this, oh, I'm that. No, you are a child of God. Like, don't you understand your royalty? Like, our, our dad is a king. If you love Jesus, your dad is a king. You're royalty, you're not a slave. You're a son and you're a daughter. Things can change. And our faith, friends, your faith, my faith, can impact other people. Jesus says he saw their faith and told the guy, your sins are forgiven. The friend's faith. Are you a friend? Are you a person? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to get people to Jesus? Are you willing to look goofy? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? Are you willing to be uncomfortable? Are you willing to give until the last, the last cent so people can get to Jesus? Are you willing to lose your reputation? Are you willing to lose your job? Are you willing to lose some friends so people can come to Jesus? Because this is, this is what the king's calling for. He's not calling for fans. He's calling for people to be part of a family business to join his family. And it's an invitation. It's not just this challenging thing. Well, if I come to Jesus, it's all gonna stink and I'm gonna be weird and it's gonna be, oh, I'm not gonna have any money here. I'm gonna, like, there's always enough with him. It's like, I got a cattle, I got cattle on a thousand hills. What are y'all worried about? He's like, I drive out demons with my finger. What do you think I can do to your issues at your work and your family and your marriage? Like, what do you think I can, like, this stuff's not hard for me. The hard part is us aligning with him and letting a lot of bad beliefs, culturally, societally, theologically, 
Jesus was cutting through all this stuff in this story to show that things can change. But for things to change, the first thing is a lot of times we have to change. We have to believe differently. We have to think differently. We have to receive differently. When I was a... a, when I was a student pastor in Kansas City, we had like our greeting team and whatever, and we called them the stretcher team. And we called it the stretcher team because like they were the people who did whatever they took to get people to Jesus. You know, for prayer or for ministry or in the door or whatever, kind of a cheesy name. But hey, but it's like, are, are we willing to be other people's stretcher teams? Maybe that's a Kairos today for you to take away is, here, here's a couple thoughts I want you, whoa, we'll, we'll go here in a second, is a couple thoughts is, like in closing, are you able to see or hear God through others? This guy on the mat, he needed his friends to help him out. Or the Pharisees, the Sadducees, like they were giving a lot of bad information. Are we able to hear bad information and process it through the word of God? Another reason, this is so important. If you don't know this, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. It's just, that's just, That's just the truth. And we need the spirit of God to help us discern the word of God to walk in the power of God. We need it. So do you hear God through his work or through his word or your life circumstances? And then I want you to ask, who are people that did whatever it took to point you to Jesus? Who are people that had that hard conversation or people that loved you when maybe you didn't deserve it? Or who are people who forgave you or people who just wooed you, people who invited you, people who brought you over with their friends? I mean, I'll never forget how my life changed because some guy in eighth grade didn't just see me as some pile of junk that was a violent little perv. Like he saw me as what I could be in Jesus and I'm standing here today. And then who's on your stretcher team? Because God isn't looking for lone rangers. He wants us to do this with, 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 with squads, with people. I mean, like even yesterday, I don't care how good Joe Burrow is, he still needed C.J. Uzama, Jamar Chase. I don't care how like, good Jamar Chase is, he needed Joe Burrow to throw him the rock, right? He needs those five big guys to, to block for him. And the kingdom's like that too. We all have different parts and roles, but we need everyone. Like the elbow can't say to the hip, I don't need you. Or can't say to the eye, you're unimportant. Like, we're one body, many parts, and we all need each other. Who's on your stretcher team? Who are people you're going to, to into rescue missions with? And then, or whose stretcher team are you supposed to be on? Who are people you're called to bring the, the message of rescue and love and hope to? And so the last thing is, well, um, it says, am I bringing God's kingdom? Jesus says, I'm bringing God's kingdom in a way you haven't seen before. Now, what are you going to do with it? What are, you, what are we going to do with it? Do we believe things can change? Do we want to first be the change? Two, do we want to be changed? And do we really believe it? Do we believe it? We're going to pray today. We'd love if you have physical maladies, if you have issues, if you got whatever. Um, I don't know if anyone's got like a hip thing. But I'd love to pray for someone that might have a hip thing today. I believe there's some healing for people. Um, whatever it is, whatever, whatever you are. If you're sick and coughing, don't run out of here. I don't care. We want to, like, Jesus got all of it. There's nothing that he can't heal. So whatever you need today, or maybe you just need, like, emotional healing. Maybe you need um, 
mental healing. Maybe you're just a mess. You're depressed. I think there's someone here who's scared all the time. Just scared all the time. Something happened to you when you were really young and you've been afraid your entire life. And uh, I just believe that God wants to set you free today. So wherever you are in your life, um, we, we just want to bless you today. So we have, we have prayer teams that are going to kind of go around the room. Um, or else just people next to you. If, you're, if you don't feel comfortable coming out and maybe you came with someone, look at the person next to you and say, can you pray for me? You don't have to be good at this. You don't have to have ever done it. All you got to say is like, just pray for them and just tell the thing to leave. You don't have to beg. You don't have to bargain. You have to say, well, God, if you love them, if you want them to stay sick, that's cool. But if not, you heal them. Now you say like, listen, hip, like I command you to be healed in Jesus' name. Get up. Just try it and let's watch what, what God does. So I'm going to pray and invite prayer teams to come on down. And if you got to go get your kids, have at it. Don't act like you got to run out here for a football game because that already happened yesterday. Hey. But um, <laughs> Jesus, I just thank you so much for Florence Vineyard. I thank you that this is a healing place. I thank you that this is a grace based place. I thank you that this is a place that long has a theological basis that doesn't condemn people for their bad choices or other people's or just tell them that they deserve where they are, Lord. You're, you're a God that wants people to change. So God, we want to keep in step with that. Lord, we want to be people that exude the fact that things can change or that I changed. We want to be people that bring change, that be the change, that are the change. We want to be people that are changed. So wherever you are today, I just invite you to just um, let the Holy Spirit minister to you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father God. We thank you just for the presence that, um, that you give us and the hope, Lord, that um, in our Kairos moments that we can become more and more like you and we can change into the image and glory of Jesus. It's your mighty and beautiful name we pray, amen. amen. All right, well, if you want prayer, have at it. If not, go and sin less this week.